is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. I have a few announcements that I want to give before we break into the word. We got the One Nation One Day excited about that. Also today, we have our new 2020 Solid Life Journals. So these launched and we are selling those today for $6 so that you can get those Pick them up for family and friends. You can give these as Christmas gifts. You know, I save mine. I have stacks of these from all the years. We've been at The Rock for eight years. I say, people say, you should write a book. I said, I have written. I've written a bunch of books. You can come read it. This becomes the book, the story that God is weaving. So these become history and precious to us as the rock. We save these, we look back at them and it will lead you to journal through um, God's word for a year. So we encourage you. We don't want to make it known, but we do give these away on a special Sunday. I won't tell you when, but today they're for purchase and we'll be announcing when that special Sunday is. But today you can purchase them for $6 at the information table. If you'd like to give them as a Christmas gift. Also, OSL. You might be new here. You might hear us talking about Operation Solid Lives and think, what is this that they're talking about? We have guest speakers that will mention it, but Operation Solid Lives, other known as OSL, is our discipleship program here at The Rock. This system is so powerful. It's in many nations around the world, thousands of graduates around the U.S. We continue to do this at all our congregations of The Rock. It will change your life. Level one of OSL is four short, sweet weeks that will change your life literally. You will think, how could you say this? I've been a Christian and we hear that I've been a Christian my whole life and I have never come alive like this through God's word and what he is doing through this. It is anointed teachings that will change your life. We have some testimonies in the brochure of our own congregation. You could read those in the back. I wrote mine through OSL. I discovered God in a a whole new way. He showed me the best version of me. You want me in OSL. I'm telling you, I am the best version of me. I become who God has created me to be. I get in the disciplines that he has created for us to walk in his fullness Who has graduated level one of OSL in the room? Let me see your hands. Yes. This is a powerful tool. We're going to be launching level one, January 9th. It's going to be in a home group style at Pastor Dave and Nita's home. You do not want to miss this. If you have not taken level one, start the year off in this class. You can sign up today to hold yourself accountable. And even if you've taken level one and you think, I need a refresher. I need to get back in. I need to do this again. Sign up again. You will be glad you did four short weeks later as God speaks and confirms his word to you. So please um, stop by the info table for OSL information. Thank you, Marco. So we're concluding our series today, Overcoming Faith Part 2. Can anyone remember the first series that we started? Was that Overcoming Faith Part 1? Yes! It's only been seven or eight weeks, but we are concluding it today. This will be the last message, and we're starting something new next week. But the title of this message for those who are taking notes is Do Not Grow Weary. Tell your neighbor, Do Not Grow Weary. We are finishing it off. We'll be in Hebrews and Mark 11, which we've been in for seven weeks. Your Bible should almost flop open to Mark 11 if 
it doesn't already, but before, before we go there, I was reading something by Pastor Jack Hayford, whom you know, if you've been around here at all, that I love Pastor Jack Hayford, his teaching. I was reading something by him, and it says this out of Daniel 10.1. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. You ever feel like that? God gives you something, a promise to your heart, something you're believing for, but the appointed time is longer than you had expected. And you think, God, I know you said it, but you did, did you tell me it was going to take this long between the amen and the, there it is. There's this gap. It's called in the meantime of life. And I don't know about you, but I've spent some time in the meantime and God God is going to teach us through his word today how to live in the in-between between the amen and the there it is. And Pastor Jack says this, wars are never short enough. In addition to those battles that confront us as nations, there are struggles that each of us face privately. Conflicts that go on longer than we expected, hoped, or prayed that they would. There's an inclination for the people of God who walk with Christ, even though we're certain of our eternal destiny in him, to miss the opportunity in the gap to apply the principle of God's word when we're confronted by the challenges of everyday living, when we're faced with the real stuff, the circumstance. There are times, for example, maybe when you and I have received a promise of God, he has spoken something to our heart and then life goes on and the appointed time drags out longer than that, than is expected. We have faith that, that arises and hope, and then we are certain he has spoken to us, but then things don't seem to happen quite as rapidly as we expected them to. It's not as though we give up, but there can be a weariness of soul that comes into play in those seasons. And the Bible is very clear where it says, do not grow weary and well-doing. Do not grow weary in well-doing for in due season, you shall reap. Does it say you might reap? No. It doesn't say, well, if it be God's will. No, it says you shall reap if you do not lose heart. And God is going to teach us today. We're going to close out this series on faith and talk about how to live in the in-between. And I want to remind us today that God's timing is different than your timing and my timing. We live in a physical world. We have 24 hours, but God is outside of time. The Bible says to him, it says a day is as a thousand or a thousand is as a day. And I heard a joke, a a pastor was sharing that a guy came to God and said, God, how long is a million years? And God says, ah, that's a second. And then he said, God, how much is a million dollars? And God's like, that's a penny to me. And the guy said, well, God, can I have one of those pennies? And God said, sure, just a second. That's a long time, you know, you're going to be waiting a long time if a second is as a million years, but God's timing is not the same as your timing and my timing. And God is trying to get things to us and produce in us the very things he's promised us. And oftentimes those things he's promised to you and I are beyond our mental capacity to receive. You know, when God took Abraham outside and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation count the stars in the sky. This is what your, your, your inheritance, this will be the, the offspring of your life. 
Can you think Abraham could count the stars in the sky? That is literally impossible. And God is, I don't know about you, but continually leading us to promises that are outside of our mental capacity to fully comprehend and apprehend. So we go, what is this? And then God begins to lead us through a process, right? I don't like that part of my walk with God. I like the quick answers. I like him to be in 24 hour periods. Like I need that money, Lord, like yesterday. And then it comes, you know, I like that. I have a kid like that. He likes top ramen. He likes those instant noodles, right? And he's not a crock pot kind of kid. He's like a standing there at the three minute boiling point. Like, is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? And there's a lot of us like that. Even type A personalities, they, they say it and they want it done. But I want to tell you this morning that God has a process for you and I, and it does not matter who you are. You are not exempt from the process because God is outside of time. He's not like, oh man, I got to get that to them. He's thinking of things beyond just your moment. He's thinking of things. He's got things in the spiritual realm that are going on. He's orchestrating things in the family unit. He's here in this prayer, but you can rest assured that God is rarely early, but he's never late. The Bible talks about in, in second Peter, I think it is that he's slow as, as we would perceive slowness, but that's not really his way. He's perfecting something in you and I, and we can rest assured that he will come and he will fulfill his promises but we can't lose heart. That is the reality is in the meantime of life. How do you respond when you don't see it as fast as you'd like to see it? Pastor Chris Hodges out of church of the Highlands said this, when we are waiting on God, impatience threatens to overwhelm you. When you are waiting on God, there will be a threat and that threat will become your very impatience. You know, generally in the life of Jesus's ministry, there was a lot of instant things. The leper came and said, if you're willing and able, you will heal me. And he was healed. It's at another time that 10 lepers came and as they went on their way, they were healed. And we're loving that. We're loving when Jesus moves like that. And you're seeing those things radically confirmed right away. And, and, but there's times when it doesn't function like that. We're going to hear about Abraham and Sarah, where God gave a promise to an old man that your wife will have a child. And it was some 24 years before that promise came. How do you live in that gap between the promise and the answer? You know what the Bible would describe that we should um, imitate those. It says who through faith and and patience, they've endured and inherited the promises of God. You ever been around people like that? They have had everything thrown at them. They have had every reason to quit on God and say, I'm not. And they continue. They don't give up. They don't give up. They believe God. And when you see God burst through and be faithful to them. That is a marvel that is unparalleled to watch God work his promises in the life of a believer that says, I'm not backing down. I know it looks like he has forgotten me, but Joel would always say that Jesus is not on a milk carton. He is not missing somewhere. He is active and alive in your story. He has not forgotten you. He is producing something in you in the process. And you don't want to come out without what he he's producing and you don't want to mess with it. You don't want to get in the middle of it and try and make your plan B be his plan A. You know how we do that? Well, God, 
you said I'd have a husband by now. So we got this, this, he looks okay. Yeah. He, maybe he's missing a few teeth or, (laughs) or maybe he's missing a lot more than a few teeth, but we, we think, God, have you forgotten me? You made me this promise. You said this, and I'm not seeing it come to pass. So maybe I'll just compromise and I'll go out. And God is saying, I am trying to get something to you. I am trying to do something that you do not want to miss. You have to trust me. And like we see with Abraham and Sarah, oftentimes we can come with a surrogate solution. You'll bring the surrogate solution. Like Sarah said, oh man, this ain't happening for me. So I'm going to get my maidservant to come be with my husband and get a family going. We need God, we need a family. You said we were going to have all these descendants. So we're going to get a family going. And if you're not going to do it, we'll make it happen. And you know, the surrogate solution carries with it a chaos that you do not want any part of. You know, they birthed a son through the maidservant. Hagar had a baby and they named him Ishmael. And in culture, there is still conflict and war in that lineage based on that surrogate solution. And I'm telling you today that God is saying, I have a promise. I will come in the nick of time. I will come like I always said I would, but you cannot pick up the surrogate. You cannot begin to do the things that you think to get the answers you want. You've got to wait on God to imitate those who through faith and patience, you know what patience is? sustained faith. That's really what it is. It's just sustaining that faith. And it's not faith in faith. This is not positive thinking. Oh, we're just going to think ourselves good. This is faith in God. That's where the power is. It's not just faith for faith's sake. I just have faith. Everything's going to work out. It's when you say, God, I'm not waiting on the circumstance to change. I'm waiting on you. I'm here waiting on you. You are the source and strength of my life. I believe your word and I'm waiting on you. You can touch my circumstance. You can do whatever you want. My hope is in you. And that is what God is after in our life. Patience is described as sustained faith. I'm waiting on God to come into the situation and do what he said. Praise God. We see it in the text in Mark 11. We've been in it week after week after week. The disciples were walking Jerusalem to Bethany, that route. They couldn't all be in Jerusalem at the same time. So they got an Airbnb out in Bethany. And then they would walk in the next day. So every day they're traveling back and forth um, for the activities happening in Jerusalem. And then Jesus says, I'm a little hungry. So he goes over to the fig tree. He sees there's no figs on the tree, speaks to the tree and says, no one will ever eat fruit from you again. In Mark's gospel, it does not say that immediately anything changed with the tree. Another gospel says it dried up, but this gospel is a firsthand account. It does not describe that that tree withered. Nothing physically was seen right away. And then the next day they're walking back by and we know the story. We've been saying it over and over. And it says the fig tree was dried up at his, at its root dead. And the disciples are nudging him like, Rabbi, Rabbi, you got to see this. This is dried up. This tree is dead. And it says that Jesus doesn't even look at the tree. It just says, he says something to them, which is have faith in God, not faith in faith, have faith in God. So he's saying, even if you didn't see it, 
Even if you saw it, you know that I had spoken to this situation and that something was going to change. So until you see it, have faith in God, have faith in God that he will do what he said he would do. And you can have what he says you can have. And that is where faith comes. It says, don't become sluggish. You know how we get on Sunday. We're like, oh, God's promises are yes and amen. And then Monday we're like, what is the meaning? You've forgotten me. Look at this situation. And we start barking at God about our reality. And God is saying, I am outside of your time. A day is as a thousand, a thousand as a day. And I'm at work in your situation. And God is trying to align us to be in the posture of dependence on him, not just our circumstance to change, but that you would wait on God, that you would come to him as the source of your life. And you would look to him until the answer come. It says, don't be sluggish, stick with it. Don't give up. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, 12, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You ever hear people, I've heard people talk about tithing. They'll say, well, I was tithing and I tithed. I'm like, how many times did you tithe? I tithed a few times and it didn't work. God didn't come through for me. It didn't work. And I think, well, isn't that sad that God is not faithful anymore? Or maybe it's like out of Malachi where it says um, that you try to bring me offerings, but they're detestable to me because your life, it's like you're living like hell. And then you, excuse my French, and then you come into church and you try and give God some money and expect him to wipe the slate clean. And he's like, I want you living like heaven. And I want you to come in on Sunday out of the overflow. And that's where I will show up. Don't you come at me and think you can do whatever you want. There's this process called sowing and reaping and God is not mocked. He, what a man sows that he will reap. And so God is saying to us that, that we, we got to stick at these things. We got to stay faithful to these things. We have to stick at it and follow those who through faith and patience or sustained faith, imitate them and don't give up. If God's word says it, it is his will. If you can find it in his word, it is a promise that is alive and well for you today. He does not promise it if it not be in his will. If you can soak and see that in the word of God, you can be confirmed that this is his will for your life. The first generation out of Egypt, never made it to the promised land. It was the will of God for them to go in. But what happened? They started out in faith, but somewhere along the way, they lost their faith. And it says they never, that first generation never entered in. Hebrews 3.15 says this, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. This is that first generation. For who having heard rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses now with whom he was angry 40 years? What is it? Was it not those who sinned whose corpses fell in the wilderness and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. God's plan and desire, his perfect will was that they would enter in, that they would inherit the promised land. But somewhere along the line, you know how that goes. You can start out in faith. You ever been there? Oh, you've heard God's promise. You've heard the word of God come to you regarding your marriage, your finances, a wayward child, some circumstance. You've received the word of God. It has arisen hope and faith alive in you. And then what happens? 
a little bit longer, a little bit longer. And you don't begin to see it come like you thought it would come. And that's where weariness of soul sets in. And we think, okay, God, maybe you've forgotten, but God has not changed his mind. If it is a promise in his word, it doesn't say it in the old Testament. Then a few would, well, now I got a little tired and, and Johnny, he gave up and this isn't working out and that job fell through. So now God's going to rewrite the story. No, he does not change. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's us. He's trying to teach us. You stand on this. You believe the Lord until you see it come. So it's a a real, real test. It's almost like a test of that in the meantime, that endured, enduring is sustained faith. They lost faith. And that's what happens with us. We start out confident. We hear the Lord. We hear his promises. And then when things aren't changing as we like, then we, we would have wanted something different to happen by now. And then we try to get done in the natural. What God said can only be supernatural. He said, you can't get this done in the energy of the flesh. Why are you trying? And now you're all weary. And now you're all exhausted. Because when the Lord is in it, it does not exist exhaust you. You will see God do more for you. We'd see it now. We just, we wait on the Lord. We trust in the Lord. We don't try and get out ahead of him and say, come on, God, speed it up a little. No, you are paced when you're a runner. I've never been a runner, but I used to try and run with my dad. And um, you, there's a rhythm that comes in when you're running with someone. And it is beautiful. The length you can go when you're, you could go longer than expected when you're paced together. And that's how God wants us to behave with him. Don't get out ahead of him. Be at pace with the Lord and his timing. We're going to talk in a minute um, about Abraham and Sarai, but if God wanted it to happen, it would have happened by now. You know how people say that? That's a lie that gets in there. If God wanted you to have it, it would have happened by now. Then we're trying to start getting it done in the natural because, and you know what? Every time you're trying to walk out this promise and see it come to pass, the enemy, he will send some naysayers. Have you ever had a naysayer turn up when you're believing God for a promise and they say, you should just quit by now. If that was supposed to happen, it would have happened by now. The enemy, oh, he has no authority. So he only has one tactic and it's generally fear. He comes with fear. That is like, he's like a one strategy type of guy because he carries no real authority. He has never told the truth about anything. So every time he comes, he comes with one agenda to steal, kill, lie, destroy. It's like, you don't want to play his games. You don't want to deal with him because he will pretend to entice you in the thing that you've been waiting on. You ever found that you're waiting on God. And in the middle of that, he'll bring that job that seems to have everything or, and it's like, like a counterfeit. It's like the counterfeit comes before the real deal oftentimes. And so as a discerning believer that's centered in Christ, we go, nope, I see this. I see what's going on and I understand what you're sending my way. And then you can shut it down in the name of Jesus. I'm standing on the promise and this is not it. And I rebuke you. It's like my kids. I have um, three sons and I have this one son, Jude. And he was, I heard, overheard them one day and Judah's trying to plot this game to play with Cameron. So, and Judah's awesome. He's creative. He's fun. But you know, sometimes his games involve things that could get broken or it could be dangerous. So I hear Cameron and Cameron saying to Jude, Jude, 
I'm not playing any of your games because your games tend to always lead to trouble. That's, and Cameron literally talks like that. He's like, he's like a politician. He always just says like the right thing in the right way. He says, I'm not playing your games, Jude. They tend to always lead to trouble. And that's how the devil is. He'll paint this. Let's play this little game. Let's have a little fun. It won't harm you. And that always leads to trouble. And I said it the other week, youth, God is trying to get you to the promised land and the devil's trying to get you to Beaumont. And if you're from Beaumont, don't be offended, but no one wants to live in Beaumont. <laughs> okay. And that just know the devil wants you in Beaumont. He wants you up a Creek. He wants you to act like this on Sunday and say yes. And amen. And Monday, he wants you to be out there griping, complaining and doubting God. And so he'll tempt you all the time to just fear and, and, and take matters into your own hands and come up with your surrogate solution to a problem that only God knows how to solve. Only God has the solution because he knows where you're headed. So he's got divine answers all along the way. You just got to stay with him. Okay. There's a road on the way to the promise. You're on the, in the meantime, length of the road, stay on the road. Don't get off track. Don't stop at McDonald's. Okay. (laughs) Praise God. If Sarah and Abraham were in the room with us, imagine we had them on a panel. You can be with them one day. One day we're going to sit with these greats, these heroes, and we're, we're, heaven is going to be radical. I cannot wait for what is in store, but we have a lot of work to do. That's why we're here. But if Sarah and Abraham were here with us today and we were sitting on couches and saying, talk to us, tell us what is happening, what happened with you. Um, I think she would say something like, don't complicate God's promise with your solution. She'd say, I learned firsthand. Don't you complicate God's promise with your little surrogate solution. I've been there. I had this maidservant. She would speak this way to us. So we say, Sarah, we receive your wisdom today. We will be tempted to believe that God changed his mind about the promise and, and we'll interpret delay for denial. We'll say, God, well, you said that by your stripes, I am healed, but I'm still feeling this thing. Well, how are you going to behave while you're still feeling that thing? We interpret that God's promises still stand and we are unwavering concerning the promises of God. We don't listen to the devil. We don't play his little games. We don't let him toy with us. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap. We shall reap. There's no missing of words there. It doesn't say if it's God's will, you shall reap. Maybe you will reap. It says you shall reap if you do not lose heart. And it's not God's time frame is not your normal time frame. We want our Christianity all tucked in with a belt and we want it to be all neat and normal. Well, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm here to disrupt your life today and say there is nothing normal about following God Almighty. There is nothing normal about the Christian life. He's normal. We're abnormal that we're uncomfortable that sometimes he asks us to do things that seem absolutely ridiculous, like God coming to a 75-year-old man and telling him, I am going to make you a nation and from you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And I have heard God speak in that same tone in many of your lives. And we dismiss it. We're like, 
that is outside of my mental capacity to comprehend. I've got to put God, I need him to be a cliff note and make sense to me that that does not make sense to me. And God is saying, this is absolutely radical. The way that God lives, the way, and we want him neat and tidy, don't we? We want him to make sense and we don't want to get all up in arms. You know, David, it says he danced before the Lord. It said David shouted before the Lord. It said David made melody in his heart before God. And some of us come in here and we're like, what are these fanatics doing? They're shouting, they're singing. We're fanatics because we've encountered God. This is normal. When you meet your maker, you want to dance before him. You want to shout his praise. We got some toe tappers. They're like, well, I guess I, I feel it up here. We'll move, let it move on up. Hold the baby, hold the baby, you know, move. Hey, we got a touchdown. You know, the, your God gets a hold of your life. You begin to sense his presence. It, you're just caused to trust him. You just want to live radical. You don't want this normal tucked in, you know, J crew type of life. You want to live radical out on the water, trusting him. That's where you want to be. That's who he's made you to be. This church is like that. We, if we have testimonies, we got a testimony last week about an eight year mountain, an eight year mountain that someone had been believing for that God removed Sunday afternoon. I, I don't see her. I would call her up here to testify, but God is doing things and he's calling us to radical obedience and to trust him. When it said, people are saying, you should, Job told, Job's wife told him, give up and curse God. This is crazy. Nothing's happening like you said it would. And then you say, it says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. I just love being around those type of people. Nope. I know it looked like God forgot. I know it looked like the timetable changed, but I believe him. I believe that. And the Bible says, says I've seen a lot, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You will never be You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Did you know that about yourself? He will not forsake you. He will not forsake you. If he said it, he means it and it will come to pass in your life. Second Peter three, nine says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. As some understand slowness, he is patient. He is patient. So let's talk about Abraham and Sarah. This is wild. The Lord said to Abraham, Genesis 12 says this. Now the Lord said to Abraham, but by the way, Romans 4 calls Abraham the father of faith. Essentially, he's the father of us all. So this guy is the father of faith. And now listen to his story. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So he's 75 and he gets a promise. And then between the amen and it happening, some time comes in the middle there. And Abraham and Sarah, Sarah's getting a little impatient. And Sarah says, Hey, we're supposed to be starting a family. You go and and be with Hagar, my maidservant. He marries her and they have a son. We talked about him, Ishmael. 
chaos, problems from the get-go. And then God is trying to woo Abram back to faith and saying, Abram, I spoke to you. I gave you a promise. And then Abram kind of says back to God, God, I know you said you'd give me the son, but can't we just bring it to pass through Ishmael? Come on, I already got a son. I made it happen. Can't you just bring this whole plan, the the nations and the offspring through this guy? I already got a son. And I love it. In Genesis 17, um, verse 19, and it's saying this. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Can this just be the one? Can't we just do my, use my surrogate solution? To, it's, it's, I got a son. And listen to what God says. Then God said, no. I love him. Then God said, no, just like that. You, you do this with God. I do this with God. God, can't we just get it like this? I mean, this is already working. No, because God has made a promise and he would not be God. If you were able to convince him to the plan B, the surrogate solution is now would he, would he be worthy of our worship? Would he be the one that we, we adore and call? No, he is true to his word and he's true to his word in your life too. No, I won't just make it this one. He says, no, Sarah, your wife will bear a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. No, we're going to do it my way. We're going to do exactly as I said. And faith began to arise in that man. Faith began to arise. I think he walked into the kitchen one day and he said, Sarah, put down your spatula. We're about to have a baby. You know what I mean? There's something comes over you. And it says, it says they doubted God. It said in one text, it says in Genesis, um, you know, 18 verse 12, then Sarah laughed with herself. She mocked God. She's saying, ha, huh. this isn't a laugh. Like that's crazy. I'm so old. How could that happen? It's like, yeah, God. Yeah. Right. This is going to happen. You know, there's there. They mocked God. They didn't believe him. They asked for you, their surrogate solution to be the answer. What a mess. And the Bible said through all of this, that we now call Abraham and Sarah fathers and mothers in the faith. That brings me hope. That brings me hope for seasons when I took matters into my own hands. Have you done that? Done that? That brings me hope that God's promises, he will not say, he says, nope, I'm not changing my mind. I said, I'm bringing a son through Sarah. I said it. I will do it. Now, Abram, get in line with me and let's do this. All right. And Abraham rised up in faith. He believed the Lord and it came to pass. How old was he? 99, something like that. She's 89. And they had Isaac and God's word came to pass. And it's, and we still nations, other religions, they know Abram as the father of faith. But hey, if you saw him in the 80s, you know how that is. If you saw me in the 80s, you would have been wondering, where's this promise on this girl? I've been there. I was in YWAM in Mexico. There was prophets coming. I didn't believe in all that. I was like in the back of the room, like these people are nuts. These were the fanatics raising their hands. And I was a toe tapper at the time, but, but a prophet came there and he called me out and the other students were there and they said, Oh, that's Anna. She doesn't believe in all this faith and this stuff. And he called me out. He says, what's your name in the back there? And I'm like, you know, the, the right hand over the, I'm Anna. He said, what city are you from? 
And I said, Palm Springs. And he asked me how many people in that city. And I knew because we lived right on the population border on that in a town. I drove by that sign and I called out that name. He said, God is going to give you that city for his glory. And I was like, yeah, right. Unreal. You know, I go back home to Palm Springs and I backslide the worst in my life. When I should be walking with God, I'm literally in the rave scene. Do you guys know what rave scene is? like underground, dark music scene. I'm there. I don't know what I'm doing there. I didn't do the illicit things that they did, but I was somehow caught up running from the promise, taking matters into my own hands and doing the furthest thing from waiting to inherit the promise. I was not imitating those who through faith and patience, I was doing my own thing. And now And now it's like, but God, but only God, he begins to woo you to himself in the dead of night. I'd be driving home from places and the spirit of God would say, Anna, I created you for something far beyond what you're living. I have promises for you. I have things for you to inherit. And over time, over time, like Abraham and Sarah, have begun to get right on track with his faith. And it says, God will bring it to pass. Abraham may have lost it. Sarah may have gotten the surrogate to make it happen. And God still counted them as the father and mother of faith. So you this morning, if there's been a place in your life where you've drifted or doubted or gotten off track, God is saying, we're getting back on track today. The promise still stands. He's going to bring it to pass. Those things that he's spoken that you're believing for, he would say, I am still involved. I have not gone missing. I am enthroned over the the sea. I am enthroned over the situation. And he just wants us right on track with him, believing him when naysayers are saying, you should quit on God. That stuff doesn't work. He said, I'm going to believe God. And when he shows up and fulfills his promises in your life, they are a glory unparalleled to the onlooker. I'm telling you. So I think if the father of faith, he wavered, he doubted, he took matters into own, his own hands. He came back around and received and believed and it was counted to him and he walked in the promise and faith came. In closing, I'd say if Sarah and Abraham could coach us today, if they were sitting in the room with us, she would say, don't try to get ahead of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. Your surrogate solution is going to create chaos. Just trust the Lord. Be still in the presence of God. How do I, how did Abram get back on track? It says that he glorified the Lord. There's a key right there. When you're off track, praise doesn't want to come out of your mouth. You know how that is? You're, you feel under shame. It says he gloried in the Lord. And Psalm 37 says this, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently. There it is again for him to act. It doesn't say you act. It says wait patiently for him to act. I want to encourage you. Take 10 minutes a day. Go somewhere. You don't have to read the Bible. You don't even have to pray. Put on worship music and sit in the presence of the Lord and tell yourself, I'm waiting on you to act again. And I'm telling you, when you glory in the Lord, faith will arise and his, his, um, his presence will calm the savage on the inside. Okay. I don't want anyone to raise their hand, but there's some savages, some impatient savages on the inside of us. When we want things done, we want it now. And his presence will calm the savage on the inside of you. Give him 10 minutes, 10 minutes a day. Start there and and just sit in his presence. You ever had a, a baby? Mom's in the house. You ever had a baby? You know that 
when you're in childbirth, that's the only time when pain is a good thing, right? We know, oh, this pain is good because this is going to be the thing that births this out. So we don't ever question pain in childbirth, but everywhere else, pain usually warrants a problem. Oh, I got an ache. I got to go see the doctor. I got this. I got this struggle. We don't perceive it, but I want to tell you that God is using pain and these things to bring an endurance to us that we will walk in and we would be enlarged. Don't say that to your wife, that she's enlarging, but God wants to enlarge us, that we will grow bigger and bigger through these things that, and that we will be so large in him, so full of faith. So don't despise um, the pain that may have come your way. Sometimes we misinterpret pain, but don't ask God why. Just say, what are you trying to do, God? I'm open to you. I'm resting in you. He's not normal. He realizes the trials, pain, produce a patient endurance as we await his promises. So how are we going to be in the meantime of life? Anyone here waiting on a manifesting of something you've believed God for? I know I am. So God is saying, would you glorify me while you wait? Would you not waver concerning the promise? Don't get a surrogate solution in there to tide you over. Do you know what I mean? We're waiting for the real deal. We're waiting for God to come, God on high, to come descend into your situation and bring solutions that no man can touch. And when God does it, it's unstoppable. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close. One thing I did share first service was that later on after Abram, it was Abram and Sarai is how her name is spelled. And then it, their names changed to Abraham and Sarah. It's the A-H is added. And that essentially means God came inside. That A-H means God is with me now. And so he changed their names after their, their revelation of faith and said, now they've caught it, that God is on the inside and he's in this situation. So their names changed to reflect what God was doing.